Go ahead and be seated. Sorry, I was getting ready for Christmas. I'm a little late. We're glad that you're with us. Welcome to those online. Thank you for being here. This is my ugly Christmas sweater, all right? So I'm here, I'm ready. Uh, I love this season uh, between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Uh, I tend to be more of a purist when it comes to Christmas music. And so uh, Christmas music is reserved for after Thanksgiving. I know some people like it before. Uh, My roommate in college always was pushing for us to listen um, to Mariah Carey's Christmas album before Thanksgiving. And I always was like, push that off maybe till like never. Uh, possibly, uh, but I do love it, and uh, Oh Holy Night, maybe one of the top Christmas songs, uh, just tells the story of what we're singing and talking about this month of December, a thrill of hope, and uh, we're walking through the book of Luke and the Christmas story, and so if you have your Bible, you can begin to turn to Luke chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, you've got to Handout as you came in, it has the verse there and the passage that we're looking at this morning. If you're looking for Luke, um, it's uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. It's right there towards the middle, a little past the middle of your Bible, and uh, you'll start to find Luke there. Uh, but as we're talking about hope, we're thinking about this story and uh, how Christmas comes to be. And Pastor Doug talked about it last week and uh, looked at Mary not being the only one who had this miraculous moment, uh, but looked at Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth and how God comes in them. We looked at the silence, and sometimes that silence is uncomfortable. And uh, for the people uh, who are awaiting the Messiah, that long stretch of 400 years of silence and They had been waiting to hear from God, and they had been waiting for this Messiah to come. And uh, and then this promise to Zechariah and Elizabeth of this one who would prepare the way, John the Baptist, who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. And this morning, we're going to continue looking at hope. And as Pastor Brian said, we're going to look at confusing hope this morning. Uh, Parker... Palmer has written a book, it's called A Hidden Wholeness. And in that book, he tells the story of the farmers of the Great Plains. And uh, farmers during the wintertime, their, their work doesn't stop. There's still uh, livestock to feed, there's animals to take care of, there's much to do around the farm. And, and he tells the story that farmers in the Great Plains, during the winter months, uh, blizzards would, would turn up in just a heartbeat. It could be just snowing, and then in a moment, these great blizzards would come. And, and so as farmers would head to the barn many times, in those blizzards, the farmers would get disoriented. They would lose track of where their house was or even where the barn was. And as those blizzards cleared, uh, many times there were farmers who were found uh, just steps from their doors, frozen, uh, dead, because of the disorientation from the blizzard. And so what farmers started doing was they started tying a, a rope from their back door to the barn. And so in, in the middle of a blizzard, they would hold on to that rope and they would walk to the barn and then they would hold on to that rope and they would head back to their house so that in the disorientation of the blizzard, they would not lose track of their home. And I think 
in our worlds and where we live right now, you could name a thousand blizzards that are going on in your life. There are a thousand blizzards going on in our world and confusion seems to be rampant. The blizzards are too much and, and they come in all different forms. The confusion could be lies that we have long listened to and, and as we've listened to them, we believe them more and more. Confusion can come in uh, unfulfilled futures, a future that's been unrealized in our lives and that blizzard swarms around us about where am I going and what am I doing? Confusion comes in so many different forms, fear of what's going on, and the blizzards swirl all around us. And we wonder, where will we find hope? And this morning, I want to run a rope from the barn to our homes, that when we tether ourselves to that rope, when we tether ourselves to the hope of Jesus, to the hope of God, we can know that even when the blizzards are blowing, we are going to find our way home. So Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, stand with us as we read. We're going to begin in verse 46 this morning. This is Mary's song. And Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abram and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Father God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is true. It speaks into the blizzards of our lives and provides for us a tether of hope that we can hang on to. Father, during this Christmas season, we know the blizzards of life are swirling all around us. There is confusion that, that wants to destroy what you have made so beautifully. And so, Father, this morning, as we gather together as a church body, Father, we know that as we come into this place, we come with all of kinds of things. Let us, in this moment, see the hope that you provide for our lives. Let us see the goodness of who you are. Let us see your love and grace and mercy. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The backstory to our passage is found earlier in chapter one. And uh, maybe you're familiar with the story, but if you're not, let me share a little bit about the backstory. Mary is a young girl. She's uh, most likely had an arranged marriage with this young carpenter named Joseph. Her family has set this up, and, and she's to be married to Joseph. And in this moment, they are in this engagement period, this time where they're not yet married, but they are to be married. 
And it's in that moment that God speaks through his messenger, Gabriel, to Mary. And he shares with Mary, much like he shared with Zechariah, this good news. This news that Mary has found favor with God. And that through Mary, a baby is going to be born. She is going to be with child through the Spirit of God. And she's going to give birth to this baby. Now you can imagine how Mary takes in this news. The scriptures tell us that as Gabriel shares this with her, she is trembling. There is fear that comes you would be afraid too. I've never met an angel, but I can only imagine what that would look like, right? She's scared in that moment. There's confusion that starts to wrap around her life because there was a plan for her life. Her family had arranged this marriage with Joseph. There was Joseph's family to consider. There was Joseph to consider as well. And now all of that is getting tossed up in the air in this moment with this angel sharing this message with Mary. Mary, you are going to carry a baby. Not just any baby, the Son of God. He will be great. No pressure, Mary, right? (laughs) Oh, this young girl who is in this moment having her life thrown up in the air. And the angel calms her. He calms her and shares with her the story of what's to take place. And Mary follows up the angel's announcement with a few of her own questions. She asks, how is this going to be? And the angel tells her. And at the end of that encounter, here are Mary's words. I am the Lord's servant. Amazing. I read that and I think if she is young, 12, 13 years of age, we would say she was mature beyond her years to respond in the way she does. How is it that Mary is able, in the midst of all of this confusion, all of these things, her future is thrown up in the air, how is she able in this moment to declare, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. This whirlwind that's running around her. How do we wrestle with the confusion in our lives? Maybe you try to provide plausible solutions to the sources of your confusion. Maybe you flip through books after books to attempt to solve the confusion. We know how easy it is to be overwhelmed, to get swept up in the confusion to become so disoriented that you cannot get your bearings. Yet, the thrill of hope is that God provides a confidence for us. He is the one we can hold fast to and step by step begin to find our way out of the dismays and confusions of our lives and find peace for our hearts. And so this morning, I want to find, look at three principles that we find in Mary's song that can point us toward God when confusion seems to be reigning in our lives. The first of those is in our confusion. In our confusion, we see God's wonder. 
Look what Mary says as she begins her song. She says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In her confusion, Mary finds purpose not in who she is, but in who God is. She acknowledges the wonder of God. He is her Lord and Savior. She said it again in her reply to the angel, I'm the Lord's servant. And and she seems to understand what Paul would later write in 1 Corinthians 14.33, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. She recognizes God's glory. She recognizes the wonder of who he is. She comes humbly before God. And as she breathes in the wonder of who he is, she recognizes her God is mighty. He was at work making the impossible possible. She is spending, in this moment, she is spending time with her relative Elizabeth, who herself is living out the impossible She's well along in years, and yet God has blessed her with a child as well. And, and Mary is in community with Elizabeth. And no doubt, Elizabeth is sharing her wisdom with Mary. She's sharing with Mary God's faithfulness to her and Zechariah. She's sharing God's love and his wonder with Mary. And as Mary breathes all this in, she declares, My God is mighty. He is my Lord and Savior. She recognizes, even in her humble state, her need for a Savior. Maybe you're familiar with the story of the Polar Express. Uh, My family and I watched it this week. It's one of our movies that we watch at Christmas. And uh, my mom, who was a teacher, um, used to read the Polar Express to her kids at school. And she would dress in her robe and and she would sit down with the kids and they would have hot chocolate. And the story of the Polar Express is really about losing the awe and wonder of the season of Christmas. But it's more than that. It's also about finding that awe and and wonder once again. And the main character in the Polar Express, as he rediscovers the wonder of Christmas, is handed the silver bell off of the sleigh of Santa. And he's been wondering all this time, as those silver bells have rung, he hasn't been able to hear it. And then in a moment of rediscovery of the season of Christmas, that bell rings and he hears the beautiful sound of the silver bell. And maybe for you, the blizzard of life, the confusion that is around you has left the wonder of God silent in your life. Maybe you have difficulty seeing his might, his power, his glory. Maybe you shake your silver bell and wonder, Where did it go? Why can't I hear or see the wonder of God? You see, this is what the enemy desires to do in our lives. He desires to bring so much confusion, so much around us, so many blizzards, that it starts to cloud the wonder of who God is. 
This is why the beauty of Christmas is that we point, we point to the wonder and glory of who God is. We fall on our knees, understanding his might and his power. And so this morning, I would encourage you to begin to take even baby steps of faith, of wondering, of seeing how wonderful he is. In the weight of our confusion, it can get blotted out. And yet the wonder of who God is is never far from us. His character, his majesty, his plans and purposes are right there to draw us back to his love and grace. The Bible describes God in a myriad of ways, each one reflecting more of who he is. And yet it leaves room for some mystery of who he is. And just as Paul declares, the greatness of God is all around us, so we in faith believe in the wonder of God. Mary declares, he is my Lord and Savior. She sings, it is the mighty one who has done great things, not Mary, but God. And the call for Mary's confusion rests in the wonder of God. When we, as a weary world, rejoice in who he is, he is our hope in our confusion. The second thing we see in our passage is that in our fears, we see God's ways. In our fears, we see God's ways. If we go back to the encounter Mary has with the angel Gabriel, we know that just like with most encounters with angels, Mary is troubled. There's fear in that space about what is happening. How can this be? Why me? What is it that God is asking of her? And fear, fear can quickly dominate our lives. Fear can paralyze the strongest of individuals. It can leave us spooked by the smallest of details. Fear is troubling And I don't want to diminish the emotion or feeling of fear because it's real, certainly. When we face uncertain news, when we face different things in our lives, circumstances in this world that we live in, we know that fear is a very real thing. But how do we process? How do we work through that fear? Because our response To fear can either drive us away from the wonder of God, or it can bring us to begin to see God's ways. And it's God's ways where Mary turns. In her moments of fear, she exhibits an obedience to the ways of God. It's that obedience that God seeks from each of us, for us to step toward him. Her obedience opens the door for her to begin to see God's ways, and not just for her present circumstances, but where God has been in generations before. Look what she says in verses uh, 50 and 53. She says, His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. She goes on to say, He has brought down rulers from their thrones, 
but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. There are several actions of God that Mary relates to in her song. And those actions of God are, are helpful for us. In the midst of confusion, in the midst of, com- of our blizzards, we come back to the place of understanding who God is and His ways. The first of those things that she says is that He is merciful. He is merciful throughout generations. The first principle that she says, His mercy extends. God is merciful. His ways are to extend mercy, not just to her, but from generation to generation. In the Old Testament, we see time and time again how God showed mercy. His mercy continued to be extended from generation to generation. And what was true of God's ways to past generations is true for us. He is unchangeable. God's ways are unchangeable. And thus, when fear strikes to settle and into our lives, we need to understand that His way is to extend mercy to us. What is deserved is not what God extends to us. His love and grace are extensions of His mercy. And that's God's way. He is a merciful God. But she also says that he performs mighty deeds. She's going to live in that moment of mighty deeds because it's only through God's power that she is going to bear this child. And Mary recalls the mighty acts of God. In generations before her, God moved in seemingly impossible ways. But those ways showed the mightiness of God. And as she wonders about how this child will come to be, her fear is squelched when she remembers that God's ways are often crazy on the outside, but reflect the mightiness of who he is. And we can as well. When fear and confusion leave us wondering what is God's purpose, we can can rest in his mighty deeds We can reflect on the mighty hand of God. When fear creeps in and we wonder how it will be overcome, our ability to remember the mightiness of God serves us well. The third thing she says is that he scatters the proud and exalts the lowly. It's a theme that we see consistently throughout Scripture. When we think more highly of ourselves than we do of God, we move ourselves into a place where fear and anxiety can reign in our lives. Rather, God desires for us to come with humble hearts that our inmost thoughts are not turned toward ourselves, but toward Him. Mary remembers she is but a servant for the Lord, a person like all others who needs and really longs for a Savior. You see, the way of God is not built on our ability to do good things, on our character that is shady at best. Our humble approach is not a cure-all for all the ails that ails us in our lives, but it's the start of God's transformative, mighty power 
in our lives. And Mary recognizes that. She recognizes the mighty deeds of who God is, His ways, and who He is. And the fourth thing she says is that He fills the hungry with good things. She's able to worship. In this moment of blizzard that's wrapping around her, she worships in the face of fear, a God whose ways are perfect, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts. She's able to look and see, as we'll look at next week, as Mary treasures all of these things in her heart. She stores up all these good things of God and ponders them for the remainder of her days. God does desire good things for you. I know in the midst of blizzards and confusion, it may not seem like he has good in mind. But Jesus teaches that he came so that we might have a full life, a life that is more abundant and free, not because of who we are, but because of who he is, because he embodies goodness, because he wants good things for his children, even in our confusion, even in our fear, even in our hopelessness. He wants to be that hope for us. He fulfills life in us. Fear can drive us towards the goodness of God, and when I see his ways, I can rejoice all the more in who he is and the hope he brings. I fall on my knees. My question is, where have you allowed fear to drive you away from the ways of God? The final principle we see this morning from Mary's song is in verses 54 and 55. In uncertainty, we see God's will. Mary certainly didn't know how all this would work out. There were lots of questions for her. There was uncertainty about her future. What would Joseph think? What would her family say? What was her future going to look like when she told people the Spirit had made the impossible possible and that the child she was carrying was the Son of God? Sure, Mary. Everybody wishes they were carrying the Son of God. What does she do in those moments? I know we have had those same questions, and often our future is much like Mary's future and uncertain. In my life, there have been many times where I've wondered, what's the next step? Because the next step is just uncertain as the last one I took. I've run through a myriad of questions in my life about what is this life all about and where am I going? Maybe your questions have been like this. What do I do next? Where do I go after high school? What do I do when the dream job is not available? Who will I marry? Will I marry? Why can't we have kids? What did we do wrong with the kids that we do have? Why is my life a mess? Where do I go from this divorce? How do I find peace? when all I feel is confusion. Does it sound familiar? Because we wrestle with many of these things daily. 
And it is hard to reconcile at times the will of God, mostly because we try to fit the will of God into our will. We ask for God's will to be done, but often with the caveat, as long as it is this way or that way, God, then I'll accept your will. Then I'm good with God's will, but I'm not sure that's exactly seeking to be in the will of God. It's a tricky line we attempt to walk. But when it comes to Mary, in her uncertainty, she looks at the will, or maybe better, the promises of God in the past and leans into them for her future. She says in verses 54 and 55, He has helped His servant Israel. She looks back at God's provision for Israel. And she's remembering to be merciful and to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She notes the helpful nature of God in days past and considers that as God helped his servant Israel, he will help her as well. He was merciful to Abraham and his descendants. He will be merciful with his servant now. His promises to his, her ancestors are still the promises of God. Promises in some cases that she would not see, but she is obedient to trust the promises of God. You remember as a kid when you made a promise? It always came with your fingers crossed behind your back, right? Sure, Mom, I promise, but I have an out if I fail that promise. <laughs> sure, Dad, I promise, but my fingers are crossed. God is a promise keeper. He does not cross his fingers when he makes a promise. His promises will be fulfilled. His promises to Israel were his promises to Mary are his promises to us. He is a God who is faithful. He is a God who is steadfast in his love for us. His promise to us is that he will return someday. These promises are true because it's who God is. It's his will. It's his purpose. And when we seek his will, we're resting in those promises of God. Where he has promised his mercy and grace, we can live in that promise. He promised to abide with us while I abide in him. Am I pursuing him like he is pursuing me? He promised to be our help in times of trouble. Are we leaning on him or trusting our own ability to move out of the mess? These are simple questions for us to ponder. You see, in our blizzards, our thrill of hope is the rope that is tied to a barn. Oh, maybe it wasn't a barn. <laughs> It was a stable. It was tied to that. And now as we hold fast and tether ourselves to him, we have this promise that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And as I tether myself to that hope, I can rest in my confusion, in my fear, in my uncertainty, to the wonder, the ways, and the will of God.
Will you pray with me, Father God? This season of Christmas can get distorted in so many ways. It can get filled up with so much stress and anxiety, wondering if I have just the right gift. Is this the right paper? Is this the right whatever? And in the middle of those decisions and that confusion, we are wrestling with much bigger things. The struggles of the past year, the losses that we've endured, the blizzards that have so enveloped us that we have lost hold of the wonder of who you are. And Christmas reminds us of that holy night when Emmanuel, God with us, came to live among us. And as Mary sings, we too can sing of the mighty wonders of who you are. We can rest in your promises. We can move forward step by step, trusting in who you are because you are steadfast and true. Father, this morning as we gather together in this place and online, Father, may we rest in that hope this morning as we continue to worship. May it rest upon our hearts. May we find peace in our confusion because you are our hope. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.